Well, uh, the pastors here, of course, as you saw, are on a series of Watch Your Mouth. I spoke last week with an introduction to that about the importance of our words. And uh, <clears throat> our words really do matter. They direct the course of our days. So I want to continue that a little bit more today. Uh, we have um, to realize that what we put in our hearts really does matter because it's going to come out of our mouths. So connected to this theme today on watching our words out of our mouth, uh, there's a relationship it has with our hearts and uh, the concept of keeping an excellent spirit. As we watch those words that leave our mouth today, it's in order that we would have an excellent spirit. And that's what I want to speak on today, how to keep an excellent spirit. Uh, in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 3, out of the King James, it says, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. It also says in chapter 5, verse 12, about Daniel's excellent spirit. This is an amazing thing we're reading because uh, Daniel is the only one in the whole Bible having been called an excellent spirit. How about that? Now, I did a Wednesday teaching some Wednesdays back on Daniel, and uh, Daniel is uh, one of our Old Testament good guys. Uh, there is nothing negative you can say about him. The Bible is very honest about the successes and failings of people's lives. Uh, it tells us in Romans those things written in the earlier days are for our instruction now. So we can look at an entire lifetime and learn the mistakes and the successes they had. Daniel is very different. You can't say one negative thing about him, but you can learn a lot from him and how he made decisions and did not compromise for the sake of integrity because he put God first in his life. So an excellent spirit then speaks of character. We don't want to be a bunch of characters. We want to have an excellent character. So in Hebrew, this word means uh, that his character surpassed all others, which is an incredible compliment. In the New American Standard, it says he possessed an extraordinary spirit. I like that, an extraordinary spirit, well above the average of his day. So I believe Father God would desire for us, for his people to be of an excellent spirit. So we need to develop this. We need to keep this. A big problem that we have today is that we are exposed to all types of corrupting influences in the day we live in, trying to make its way into our hearts. And we need to take this real serious. In Daniel's day, he was exposed to all types of corrupting influences, yet he was not corrupted. Why? Because he chose to not allow himself to be corrupted. That's why he's a good guy. So he watched over his heart to keep it from corruption. So should we. Uh, I mentioned last week in the book of Proverbs, it tells us to guard our hearts because out of it comes the wellspring of life. What we put into us really does matter. And if we don't realize it, I guarantee you the evil one does, uh, does know it, and he will try our best to make sure that evil is sown into our hearts. Um, Daniel chose to keep an excellent spirit with him, and so should we. And you've got to remember today as I'm speaking, I'm talking to myself today. I'm not just talking to you. This is directed right back at me. When you point a finger, remember, you got three fingers pointing back at you, right? 
So I got three of them pointing at me. Uh, the, the enemy here had, the evil one had a desire for Daniel as well as for us that we would have a corrupted spirit. So today we do have daily challenges, all of us, to be corrupted by the God of this age. And we have to do the deciding of what we will allow or not allow into our hearts because it will come out of our mouths. And if it doesn't produce life, we are speaking death. The Bible is just that black and white about that. Um, you know, we live in an age where there is a great intensity of evil coming at us. We are bombarded day and night with opportunities to be defiled. Um, and for those who are young here today, you really want to listen to this. I'm trying to save your life. I believe there is more temptation coming against the body of Christ today than there ever has been before in human history. If you really think about that, because in our modern technical age, it's an open door for it. They got to remember, the evil one didn't invent all this technology. It's there for the Word of God to go out all over the globe. And when you think about it, since radio and to the day we live in, all this technology is for really the gospel to go out. That's the knowledge of the end times brought to us, as, as the book of Daniel tells us, that knowledge will increase in the last days. This knowledge is for the Word of God to go out. But the evil one corrupts, the evil one twists, the evil one distorts. And of course, the technology of today, the visual, the audio, the media, is a vehicle to bring corruption to us. And we've got to really get that. Uh, to just look at a few examples here, uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, you know, in America today, if you really look at it, uh, people in America today serve the God of pleasure and entertainment. That's what they really do today. It's, uh, it's, it's an idol that they worship because uh, the enemy wants to make sure we're drugged up, that we would not be seeking God, not seeking His real purpose for our lives, that we would be uh, uh, bothered and obscured with the meaningless. So much today is meaningless coming at us, and yet it's, it's an avenue for massive destruction for our marriages, for our children, for our grandchildren. It's something we need to take real serious. Um, you know, the secular TV today is something that is just out there, so much of it, to defile minds. Uh, the news media, the news doesn't report the news. The news reports what they want you to believe. Amen. It's distorted. It's an intentional distortion. And what they want to give you is fear. Amen. They want to make you dependent on them so you're in constant fear. Amen. I don't want that in my life. That's a defilement for me. I don't want that. Uh, Pastor Walt used to say years ago, he stopped watching the news and he started praying the news. His purpose was to pray what he saw, not be influenced by what he saw. Totally agree. That's the first time I ever heard that. Blight to me. Hey, yeah, the news is out there to put fear in us. Uh, Primetime programming, it leads people into carnal lives. Uh, my gosh, what a distraction cell phones have become for so many, right? At a very young age, capturing our minds. You all know the junk that's on there. Give me a break. My gosh. I'm glad I'm cell phone stupid. I really am. I got to ask my son how to do things on it. I'm really glad I'm dumb about that. Uh, boy, because uh, a lot of the stuff that's on there, I don't want in my life. Uh, you know, and most of the daytime television today is so meaningless. Very often we're entertained by the troubles of others. What is going on here? Uh, and the internet, the internet has let so many people in, into the bondage of pornography. It's the number one uh, sought-out thing on the internet today. Wow, this is horrible. 
So we all have daily opportunities, is what I'm trying to say, to come at us, to defile us with materialism, selfishness, immorality, or just plain meaninglessness. Uh, so as I said, the purpose of all this is that it would get to our hearts, that we would uh, not be a people of an excellent spirit, so that we would speak death out of our, our mouths instead of life. There's no gray here. Either it's death or life coming out of us. And the only way to get life coming out of us is to put the Word of God in us. There's no, there's no plan B here. This is really serious stuff. So in, the, in this day that we live in, with so much daily noise we experience, the Word of God does speak to us, but are we listening? Are Americans listening? Just a couple choice scriptures here. I could have gave several. I have a few today. Um, in Romans chapter 12 here, verse 2, this is one of the most important scriptures in the New Testament for us. Paul is telling us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the will of, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, Paul is speaking to a time period of incredible perversion in the Roman Empire, uh, with the Greek mind, among other uh, heathens of the day, and he's telling Christians, we can't live like the world around us. We are separate from it. We have to have our mind renewed, not the way we've been taught all our lives by the heathen world around us. What's changed? It speaks to our day as well. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John tells us, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow! Wait a minute, John. He's writing this to Christians, not heathens. The love of the Father is not in him. Wow, John, these are one of those things where I think I'll turn the page. No, I got to stare at this for a while. This is heavy stuff. It speaks to all of us in a deeply personal way. Where is the love of the world in me? Now, don't, bear, you know, don't misunderstand me. This is not a sermon today, and don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't touch that. We don't need that. This is um, an issue about we need to realize that there are thousands of Christians in America today who call themselves Christians, and they will tell you they love the world, but they live a life you'd never know it. Something is so wrong here, so, so wrong. Too many today only seek Jesus when they have problems, or they need something, and they expect Him to help. And when things are, then when the, as they go on in this, they, they, they live corrupted lives at the same time. How can we do this? Too many are living defiled lives, and they think uh, they can live for God as well. Hey, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of things. It's not right. Not right. I remember a gentleman we had here many, many years ago when the church basically began. He needed a kidney transplant. There was no kidney for him. Uh, boy, he was praying and believing God. Oh, wow. And he got a kidney. Oh, ah. He got a transplant. He survived. We never saw him again. Bye, Jesus. Off he goes. Got what he wanted. Wow. You turned off with fast. How many times we see that? That people want the Lord, but when the pressure's off, hey, I'm fine now. Thanks. Amazing. Galatians chapter 6 here, verse 7, out of the Amplified Bible. Ought to be a law. Everyone had to own an Amplified Bible. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treat it with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this 
and this only will he reap. How about that? My good intentions reap nothing. It's what I do reap something. Isn't that amazing? We tend to judge others by what they do, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I meant well. God's not impressed with that stuff. It's what we do that matters, and that, what we do, is what we will reap. These are heavy thoughts. You know, the point here is we have to, all of us as believers, start making dis daily decisions to produce a spirit of excellence within us. I cannot emphasize enough how serious that is. In Ephesians chapter 4 here, in verses 22 to 24, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be, in, uh, God, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There are several scriptures that Paul uses that's called the doctrine of putting off and putting on. It's a Pauline concept, and that we're to put off the way we were trained in life before we knew Christ, and to put on a new nature. That's not going to come at first uh, natural to our minds, because that's not what we've sowed in our minds all our lives. For those who receive Christ as their Savior at a young age, good for you. You would avoid all the mess of life that you got to take out of your heads for what we put in it for those of us who receive Christ later in life. Uh, so the good news here is Holy Spirit is our teacher. That's the really good news here for us. He is our personal instructor in the way to have a life of excellence. If we yield to his instruction, he'll show us what to put off, what to put on in a very personal way for us because we need personal training. Let me give you an example of something about this putting off and putting on I've used before. I'll say it again because I like it. Uh, let's say you have this, uh, this, this, this child and little Johnny, and, little, and, you, and you buy little Johnny a piano. And little Johnny goes to the piano, and he bangs it, and you realize you bought a very expensive noisemaker. Got to get a teacher for this kid. So you, so you go find out about a teacher. So you hire a teacher. Teacher comes in, and he teaches little Johnny to play piano. So being the nosy parent you are, you go in and see how Johnny's doing. And you notice Johnny starts playing like this. And you go, you know, I know a lot about piano, but that's not how you play piano. I got a bad teacher. Oh, my gosh. Last time I listened to my sister-in-law, I got a bad teacher. So you, what do you do? You fire the teacher. Bring in a new teacher. New teacher comes in. Well, Johnny, show me what you do. Oh, no, Johnny, we put our hands this way, not this way. Johnny looks at the new teacher. He doesn't like that. He knows this. He's comfortable now with this. He doesn't know this. Now, come on, let's do it this way. Teacher doesn't look. He goes back to that real quick. Pull his hands back. No, Johnny, this is how you play piano. Now, just in case you're a smarty out there, I do know when you play Chopin, they cross arms over. But they eventually go back here. And you're never going to play Chopin, so give it up. But anyway, the new teacher ha, has to come in and undo everything the old teacher messed this kid up with. That's us. Before we met Christ as my Savior, our Savior, I had a bad teacher. It's called the evil one. And he told me, this is the way it is. This is life. This is normal. Thank you, Jesus. He got kicked out. The new teacher comes in, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, ah, no, Ralph, you got it all wrong. This is it. But I know this. I'm comfortable with this. No, you have to undo that, Ralph. But I like this. Now, you got to put that off, Ralph. 
but this is what I do. No, no, you have to renew your mind, Ralph. Is Holy Spirit looking? And I go back to this. <laughs> nice looking. He grabs, no, Ralph, like that. I'm still learning how to do this because so much of what I had learned in me in all those years of not knowing Christ as my Savior from this world age I live in corrupted me. Now I have to renew my mind in the Word of God to learn how it really is done. And that's all of us are under construction. As long as you're physically in the body, we're all going to be under uh, construction. Because I don't want to be defiled with this world age telling me this is normal when it's not normal. This is normal. I think it was a book written a long time ago, The Way Things Ought to Be. That's right. This is the way things ought to be. That's what I should be walking in. And Holy Spirit is there to be my instructor. So all of us need to pursue. I want an excellent spirit. I want to be a man, a woman of God of an excellent spirit. Let me read Paul's <clears throat> words to you. He says it better than me. Uh, let's read Colossians, a few scriptures here. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. This is, again, one of those parts of your New Testament you should read over and over and over again. Colossians chapter 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, now he is putting off, putting on doctrine. Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. The enemy wants to worship idols instead of the living God. Verse 6, therefore, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Ooh, heavy words. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on, there's his doctrine again, the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. So as we go to communion today, if you can get that ready, we go to communion today, we want to go there in the hope, the hope of glory in us, that we have been seated with Christ in the heavenlies, and that we should live in this manner. We need to be a people that are sharp to look for defilement and reject it, because I want an excellent spirit. That's what we should want for ourselves, for our children, our grandchildren. I want to live an excellent spirit. I may have one day been trained in the past by an evil world age, but I don't want it now. I put off and put away from me the training that this world has for me. I don't belong to it anymore. How do I live as, as a believer? Holy Spirit, teach me. He will. We need to guard our hearts, speaking what honors Him out of our mouths. As we take our communion here today, you know, at communion, they were so nice. They opened this for me because they knew I'd make a mess. <laughs> at communion today, we celebrate the new covenant that Jesus brings to us. In many churches, they use the word Eucharist. Eucharist is a Greek word which means thanksgiving. This is a time of thanksgiving. Look what he's done for me. He made it possible for me to live out the words that Paul just gave us. I couldn't do this without Jesus' Spirit within me by Holy Spirit. 
Jesus made it possible for you and me to be able to have an excellent spirit. And that's what, that which comes out of our hearts, that we may speak what produces life. Speak uh, to our wives, our, our children, our grandchildren, those we meet, speak life to them. So as we participate today, let's be participating in communion now with a heart of thanksgiving for how good the Lord has been to us and didn't leave us without hope, but reached down and got me that I could not get myself and brought me a hope and a life in the, in the future if I would just believe him and take him seriously. This is when we say thank you, Jesus, for the new life you've given me I could have never provided for myself. Let's participate. Thank you, Lord. We remember, Lord, today your covenant. We remember, Lord, today all that you've made available to us. Oh, Lord, we embrace it. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here and those that are listening outside this church building, that we would live in such a way because of the covenant you made available to us to produce an excellent spirit within us. To be a people that guard our hearts, guard our speech, speak life to our loved ones and to those that we come in contact with. That Lord God, your covenant of life would reign in us as Jesus intended for it to be. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen?